Welcome to the Halloween Halloween special. In the third dimension. Cue the theremin. Influenza. Listening to Influenza. My name is Sean Aitchison, and I am joined by Alex Aguilar. And as you know, we talk about uh, pieces of pop culture uh, and the influences that went into and came out of them. And today we're talking about Happy Halloween. Sorry, yeah. I, I should have said that earlier. Happy Halloween. <laughs> yes, Happy Halloween. This is the Halloween Halloween special, as we're calling it. Um, we are covering covering John Carpenter's 1978 Halloween, just the first film, not the any of the other. Uh, oh, we're not doing uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween. When we're not doing what? Season of the Witch. Fucky, uh, <laughs> that's so great. Um, yeah, uh, this is our Halloween special. Uh, our theme song with lots of theremin and our creepy aesthetic are finally appropriate. Uh, <laughs> Spooky. Um, so, um, if you listen before, you know our format. We talk, we do brief, brief history on the subject. We talk about our experience with it, and then we get into uh, the influences that went into it and the things that would go into influence. And to start off, do you want to talk about um, the br- uh, brief history, Alex? Happy Halloween. Um, okay. Well, <laughs> okay, so I'm going to keep saying that. You just say, so it are we going to have a counter? Words. We should have yeah. a counter. All right. It's Hall- not a visual <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Alright, uh, Halloween, happy Halloween. Halloween is a horror slasher film directed by John Carpenter and co-written by Carpenter and Deborah Hill. Uh, the film was about uh, Michael Myers, and, uh, a criminally insane serial killer who ex- escapes from an asylum to kill teenagers on Halloween. Uh, it starred Jamie Lee Curtis as uh, Laurie Strode, the main girl, the final girl, um, which is something we'll get into later. Um, and it was her film debut and it served as one of John Carpenter's um, most iconic and influential films. And it was released in 1978, as we've mentioned before, and it spawned a number of sequels that declined in quality. Uh, the first two were great, two and three, Season of the Witch. Uh, <laughs> it also made a reboot and a sequel to that reboot, both uh, directed by Rob Zombie. Several Halloween Horror Nights in both Hollywood and Florida, and most recently, a sequel to the original that dis- disregards uh, the sequels because it's retconning everything. Yeah, she's no longer his brother, his sister. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's not a... That, uh, which well, I like the idea of, but we'll get to yeah. it. Well, let me let's get to it right now. I rewatching the first one again recently. I was like, "There's no connection whatsoever." It's really bizarre to make it. That. Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of that. Yeah. Um, that um, being said, though, the film had somewhat mixed reviews when it first came out, but many agree that it's one of the greatest and one of the most important horror movies of all time, and one of the most important uh, independent films of all mm-hmm. time. Uh, helping to establish the modern slasher and solidify it as a genre. Yeah, um, yeah, like it, it just like it just didn't do well. It was kind of a sleeper hit, but not really. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, that covers the history. Did you want to talk? Uh, you want to start with your experience? I mean, my experience. Like, I was trying to think about it. It's very foggy. Like, it's. Mm-hmm. I think I may have watched it in middle school. Uh, after like. Back in elementary school and, you know, during the formative years, I would watch the sequels. Super shitty. I watched H2O, um, you know. <laughs> I forgot is, it was called that. Yeah. Ugh. Or H20, I yeah, guess. Yeah, H20. Uh, where Busta Rhymes is in it. Because <laughs> why not? But I remember watching it and I was, like, really, you know, happy with it. Like, I was just... I didn't watch it on HBO. I think I watched it, like, on a different on-demand thing. But I was, like... I was... I liked it. 
And then I come to it every now and then whenever, like, I talk to friends about horror movies and, like, I keep remind- reminding myself, like, oh, yeah, that Halloween exists. Hmm. Um, um, happy Halloween. Th- <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. Um, I don't have that much of a history with it. Uh, I've never been, like, a horror buff. And then even then my... It's pronounced boof. <laughs> and then even my favorite horror movies, like, are, like, the Evil Dead movies, which are not even scary uh, for the most part. You what know, about Gremlins? <laughs> Um, so I only watched it for the first time last year, uh, and oh. I've probably seen bits and pieces and, you know, know some... Have you ever seen Season of the Witch? Because that's really good. <laughs> and I know some, you know, pop culture, like, touchstone aspects of it, yeah. you know, the things that we colloquially know about the movie and stuff like that, like the music, obviously, and that, uh, it was, um, Captain, uh, Captain Kirk, um, uh, mask that right. they used for his mask, stuff like that, but I never really watched until last year, and I remember watching it and, like, loving him, just, like... It, because I'm not sure if I was necessarily scared because, again, watching it now is kind of hard because we know all the slasher tropes. Yeah. But I remember watching it and being like, wow, this is, like, very well done for A, an independent film, and B, like, the first film to do these things. I actually rewatched it last night. Um, and I... That intro, the first, se- like, sequence in 1963 that they show Michael Myers With as a six-year-old... You know, killing his sister, or babysitter, uh, his, sister. Uh, his his older sister who was like having sex and like was too into it to notice her brother walking in. Well, no, no, she was like, it's the the sister was like went to have sex with the boyfriend. Michael Myers walks in, then goes upstairs or is about to go upstairs, and the and the boyfriend walks out. Which that's like a two minute like yeah one like that boyfriend did not last very long uh and then she's just sitting in the mirror like brushing her hair naked oh yeah and then he stabs her yeah yeah yeah. now i remember um yeah i mean um just like to talk about the film in in general she's like it's such a great setup i i I think the idea of it just being like just like this this fucked up kid who just like escaped and decided to do the same thing he did before and according to like the following sequels it's just literally he is evil yeah like it's it's not even like a kid it's like and we'll get into that stuff yeah that stuff's really interesting so let's not ruin it so um let's get into the influences uh to start i mean you credit halloween with solidifying the slasher uh film as a genre which you know there was some predecessors Mm -hmm. uh some might necessarily have been called slashers but they were slashers um, uh, and these predecessors laid the groundwork. Um, there's three in particular. There's Psycho, there's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then there's Black Christmas, otherwise known as Silent Night, Evil Night, I believe, in yes. the U.S. So, Psycho is Alfred Hitch- Hitchcock's 1960 film, uh, often thought to be the earliest example of a slasher. Um, it has some of the earliest elements of the genre, uh, including, uh, following both the killer and the victims as, like, both main characters, you know? Right. Um, and uh, the biggest influential effect that Psycho had on the making of Halloween is that it blurred the line between psychological and supernatural, meaning like it's depicting um, the killer, Norman Bates in this case, as kind of uh, like uh, a force, uh, human, but kind of evil. Like it, it, it's making him in the form of a man. I always thought of it like a like mental illness type of deal, but no, I think you're right. Yeah, well, mental illness definitely plays a part too, because yeah. it's called Psycho, obviously, and Michael Myers is, escapes from an asylum. But um, they're both, like, psychologically unhinged and portrayed as monsters, but are still humans, kind Mm -hmm. of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It can easily be seen in Halloween that Carpenter uh, and Deborah Hill, who uh, co-wrote the film, I'm not sure if we mentioned that. No, we did. um, Wanted to capture the energy of Psycho, uh, that humans are just as scary as monsters, you know. Um, And because of how influential Psycho was on the creation of Halloween, two characters in the film are named after Alfred Hitchcock characters. Um, Tommy Doyle is named after... uh, 
uh, Lieutenant Detective Thomas J. Doyle in rear, rear window, and Dr. Loomis's uh, surname comes from Sam Loomis, uh, Marion Crane's boyfriend in Psycho. Yeah, and also we could say that one thing that I totally forgot, um, the uh, the the nurse that is with Sam Loomis, her name is Marion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like totally she's in that. the first two and then in uh, H2O. Yeah. In uh, Halloween water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Then there's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974, directed, um, you know, by Toby Hooper. Just you know, off the top of my head, that's I know that as a fact. Oh yeah, I forgot Fun the fact. <laughs> okay, so uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre should be given almost as much credit as Halloween gets in the establishment of the slasher genre, as it was an immediately influential film for Carpenter, laying the groundwork for his film and other slasher horrors to come. The film established two big tropes of the slasher genre, including the killer using some uh, kind of power tool as a murder weapon. Though this doesn't show up in Halloween, it's still important to note because it might have been in some of the sequels for like for some sequences. Um, maybe I. It's very foggy. But, yeah. Uh, and then the killer being a large, hulking, faceless figure, avoid uh, devoid of uh, compassion, personality, and voice. Uh, this is perhaps the most influential part of the film, as Michael Myers fits this description to a T. And the movie also included the final girl trope that would uh, also be included in Halloween, which cemented it as a staple of the slasher genre. But it didn't start here, right? Or did it's like... I, it, I it's there. It's it's in a few things, but it's really like... It really just is Halloween take. Because I know like for like, sure it's uh, Texas Chainsaw and the next movie we're going to talk about were like the yeah, final girl trope. Uh, really. Black Christmas in yeah. 1970. So the same year in 1974, I believe like 10 days later it came out. Black um, Christmas, I gave you my heart. <laughs> literally you tore it out <laughs> but the very next day we're done um, okay so um Rest in peace, George Michael. <laughs> well, this isn't quite as well known as psycho um i'd say as a horror slasher film uh oh, right. yeah. in fact i'd never heard of it until doing the research for this oh you haven't no i haven't it's really good um i i kind of once i heard there was also called silent night even night i'm like okay maybe i've heard of that but no see like when you mentioned the serve ti- this the other title I, I think of silent night deadly night which is a different movie maybe maybe yeah. that's why anyway um, so it's not quite as well known, uh, but uh, Black Christmas um, was a huge influence on Halloween. Y- there's so many places that, that you can see this. Um, yeah. Both films uh, involve a faceless killer stalking their targets, uh, then killing them one by one, all during a holiday season, Christmas and ha- uh, Halloween. Oh, additionally, Halloween could be considered an unofficial Black Christmas sequel since Carpenter once asked the director, Bob Clark, what he would do as a sequel for the film. And uh, this is super interesting, this quote. Uh, quote, I never intended to do a sequel. I did a film about three years later, started a film with John Carpenter. Um, it was his first film for Warner Brothers. He asked me if I was ever going to do a sequel, and I said no. I, w- I was through with horror. I didn't come into the business to just do horror. He said, well, what would you do if you did a sequel? I said it would be the next year, and the guy would have actually been caught, escape from a mental institution, go back to the house, and they would start all over again, and I would call it Halloween. Uh, that, that basically reads like the plot of Halloween. That is the plot of yeah, Halloween. Yeah, it is yeah. the plot of Halloween, uh, which might seem like Carpenter ripped it off, but um, Clark himself believed that like Carpenter was just inspired by that conversation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also the name for the movie Halloween came back to him in the script. He didn't yeah. choose that himself. Actually, one of my favorite things, uh, just going off on a little tangent here, yeah. uh, recently at the Vista Theater in Hollywood, they were doing a triple screening mm-hmm. of uh, the new Halloween, but before that, Halloween, the 78 version, and before that, they chose Black Christmas as That's a triple That's interesting. Feature. Yeah. Like, it was... I had a friend ask me, like, why Black Christmas? And it's like, well, it is pretty much a prequel. 
to yeah, an extent. Yeah, because they never really reveal who the killer is. In mm-hmm. uh, And he's not... I, I actually don't know that much about Black Christmas. Is he wearing a mask or you just never see the killer, period? I, do, I think you just don't see the killer, period. Mm, interesting. Black Christmas also features one of the earliest examples of the final girl trope, which would be uh, utilized in Halloween, which is uh, in turn cemented the idea as a staple of the slasher genre. Yeah, we mentioned that uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre also had this, but again, these were just kind of like, they just happened. It wasn't really yeah. like intentional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the film was also slightly based on the urban legend known as The Babysitter and the Man Upstairs, about a babysitter being stalked by a stranger who calls and tells her to check on the children whom he has murdered, which is to an extent, it's not super... When a stranger calls. Or or also uh, scream. Yeah. Um, you know, checking on the, on your victim. Uh, and elements of this can be seen in both Black Christmas, Halloween, When a Stranger Calls, Scream, a bunch of other movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, specifically, Halloween is just the idea of the babysitter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and then uh, Halloween's initial concept came from producer Erwin uh, Yablins. I, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Um, I would say so. Yeah. Uh, who sought out Carpenter to, f- uh, to direct a film about babysitters being stalked and killed by a psychotic murder. Again, the babysitters thing. Mm-hmm. Um, p- specifically, he wanted to make a film that had the same impact as The Exorcist. So we can say that The Exorcist has an influence on the creation of Halloween. Not necessarily in content or anything, just he wanted to make that same impact. He wanted to have like, yeah, 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 that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, co-writer Deborah Hill and her, influ- uh, and her influences played major roles in developing the story, concept, setting, and characters of Halloween. The Celtic Halloween Festival of uh, Samhain played a part in the plot's development, and here's a quote from Hill uh, explaining this, which is, quote, The idea was that you couldn't, ev- you couldn't kill evil, and uh, that was how we came about the story. We went, we went back to the old idea of Samhain, that Halloween was the night where all the souls are let out to wreak havoc on the living. And then came up with the story about the most evil kid who has ever lived. And when John came up with this fable of a town with the dark secret of someone who once lived there, and now that evil has come back, that's what that's what made Halloween work. This that was one of the most interesting things I found in the research. Yeah. Also, uh, a couple of weeks ago or a couple of days ago, I just I found out that it's pronounced Sawain, yeah. not Sam Hain. I'm glad you I'm glad you uh, you read that part because oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I probably would have just pronounced it uh, wrong. But yeah, um, that's super interesting because it, it's just the idea of like evil coming. Um, coming out on this night yeah and uh and, and specifically returning because they are the souls of the dead oh, yeah, so yeah. the idea of michael myers returning as this kind of spirit of evil to wreak havoc on the still living because mm-hmm. he's not living essentially he's got this he's got you know no mind personality kind of yeah he's um, kind of possessed in a way yeah exactly um so I, I really that's a, such a cool influence to find out again this is one of the reasons why i love doing this podcast because i get to find out this interesting shit yeah <laughs> And we hope that you uh, you find this interesting as well. Why'd you look over there? Oh, the computer's there. Okay, cool. The computer represents <laughs> the listeners in my mind. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> oh, man. Black Mirror. Can we talk about that? Um, so, uh, Deborah Hill was also a babysitter herself as a teenager, which is um, which is why uh, she was kind of tasked with writing all of the uh, the female dialogue in the movie, specifically, you know, the, the babysitting uh, scenes and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so obviously her past experience influenced that. Yeah. Um, and then the setting of Halloween Haddonfield, Illinois was uh, inspired by Hill's hometown of Haddonfield, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, Hill liked the idea of the small suburban town with something dark going on beneath the surface, a dark past that is revealed by certain events and the appearance and feel of uh, her hometown exactly what she was looking for, a place where it seemed like nothing could go wrong. Uh, Hill was both inspired by her hometown and by Hitchcock's rear window because, you know, 
beautiful apartments, beautiful windows, you know, nice looking people. Then when he started to spy on them a little bit more yeah. and more, you know, he finds that there's very dark shit going on. I mean, on. it's like, uh, that's one of my favorite things in a bunch of like uh, suspenseful movies where like you see this this facade. One of my favorite examples yeah. is still Blue Velvet. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the beginning of it, you see this nice, almost like uh, Technicolor uh, suburban town, a suburban neighborhood. Yeah. And then, you know, a guy gets a heart attack, falls on the floor. And then the camera pans down to him, pans down to the grass, and then pans down to like the underbelly where you see all these like beetles like like crawling around to show like oh there's something seedy going on too. I, I mean, even Twin Peaks is that it's, oh yeah, yeah. It's, oh, a, it's a small town that is obviously mysterious from the start, but it's it, it it's very much idea telling you like the beginning. The first episode is telling you, hey, look at this nice little town, you know. Yeah. Also, uh, save it for episode one. Everyone, watch episode one. Oh yeah, watch. <laughs> Happy Halloween. What? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, As many know, though, uh, John Carpenter also composed the music for the film, which is one of the most I- iconic parts of it. Um, the score for Halloween doesn't have any specific influences, but it's worth noting that part of its inspiration for creating a great soundtrack came from seeing an early cut of the film, which made him realize that he needed to save it with the music. So basically, it looked like such shit that he was like, well, shit, I need to save this with music. Yeah, no, <laughs> granted, that theme song is still like... It it's it sticks with me, and it's one of those things where like it's one of those great ones where it's like Jaws, where it's just like it's so freaking simple. Yeah, like <laughs> oh yeah, it's yeah yeah yeah, it's it's good. Yeah, um, uh, the characters of the film has have some significant inspirations behind them. Uh, Laurie Strode in particular is p- played by Jamie Lee Curtis, and her casting was um was the reason for her casting was that she was the daughter of Janet Lee. Uh, Lay, uh, the the female lead in Psycho, uh, Deborah Hill thought it would be great for the film's publicity to cast the daughter of the actress in a film that served as such a big influence for their film. Yeah. Um, suffice to say, Psycho even had an influence in the film's casting. Good. Uh, Hill and Hill, Hill and Carpenter wanted her character to have strength, not necessarily present and present and exuding, but she wasn't going to be quote the weeping violet. Yeah. Um, this was a, this was influenced by the works of Howard Hawks, a director who gave women strong roles in the films, in his films, as well as Deborah Hill's own assertiveness. She wasn't going to write a helpless damsel in the main character as yeah. the main character. And Howard Hawks is just a big influence on um, John Carpenter in general and his yeah. film career. Um, and then, uh, according to Deborah Hill, Laurie Strode was named after one of John Carpenter's first girlfriends. A little tidbit of information that I thought was interesting to put in there. And then we get to um, the other major the character, the yeah. major <laughs> character, uh, Michael Myers. And there were a lot of things that went into cre- uh, into the creation of this iconic slasher character. This is perhaps the most interesting part of the film's influences, which is why we saved it for the end of this segment. Um, you know, the haunted house folklore, which Michael Myers' backstory in which he killed his older sister on Halloween, as we referenced earlier, mm-hmm. uh, and was sentenced to an asylum, uh, was influenced by a haunted house folk- folklore. Urban legends told in small towns that claim a creepy house down the lane uh, holds a dark past that someone was killed in it or something like that. Yeah, you, you've seen this in every movie, TV show about like yeah. kids, uh, it, you, like, it, I, suburban kids. You I know. think the first time I ever saw it was like what um, that Nickelodeon horror show. Are you afraid of? No, is it, are, are you afraid of? The, are you afraid of the dark? And uh, yeah, Goosebumps. are you afraid of the? No, Goosebumps. Goose, both the, well, both different. those did it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then you know, fuck. Even Ed, Ed and Eddie, I think, had it. There is that episode where they go to that weird house. That's just oh yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Stuff also, like there that. Is that one movie, Monster House. Yeah. Just, it's the creepy house on the hill and then it's always like there's a reason that it's the creepy house on the hill because everybody has a story about it you know yeah and then carpenter took this idea and molded it into myers's backstory and he was the person in the story that went bizarre yeah the story was about him but instead of it being about the house it's about him which i really like that's a great twist on it because like you like i said that's usually 
what makes like the house so creepy. It's like, well, no, but what about the dude in it? You know? Yeah. Um, and then the embodiment of evil was like a big thing in this character's That's, development. Uh, after we get to this or after you like go on with this, I want to talk to you about something, but keep going. Yeah. Um, so the evil within Michael Myers was inspired by a trip that Carpenter and his college psychology class took to a psych- uh, psychiatric institution in Kentucky. Um, there he visited the most severely mentally ill cases, including a young boy, uh, I think it was supposed to be like somewhere between 11 and 13, um, uh, who Carpenter described as having a blank schizophrenic stare. Uh, this stare and Carpenter's encounter with the young boy would serve as the inspiration for how Dr. Loomis described Michael Myers to uh, Sheriff Brackett and his characterization in general. Um, the famous monologue that Carpenter wrote for the um, for uh, Loomis uh, describing Michael Myers um, uh, made sure to bring attention to like the killer's eyes because that was like one of the big things that he thought embodied evil. Oh, yeah. Uh, a YouTuber by the name of Ryan Hollinger um, said that something I never noticed about Halloween where... Uh, Loomis keeps referencing uh, Michael Myers as it and just pure evil. Like even in the first scene in the yeah. where you meet Loomis, uh, you know Mary and the nurse it just tells him like, why don't you just reference him as him or he or you know he's a human? And then Loomis is like, yes, sure. Like it's <laughs> it's one of those things where like like it's it's true. He's That's a just, strong moment too. Yeah, yeah, it's just he's evil. He's yeah, it. yeah. Like, it's literally, like, that's how he's characterized as, yeah. as like, the emptiness, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. And then we're getting into Westworld, um, you know. Not the original the, film, yeah. <laughs> the, not the 220, whatever, the one that just came out, show. Uh, um, scratch my nose. Happy Halloween. Uh, mm-hmm. Another inspiration for Michael Myers came from the original Westworld film. Uh, the gunslinger character portrayed by Yul Brynner is a cold, unfeeling killer determined to uh, murder no matter what a machine that cannot be stopped. There's a lot of this in Michael Myers. He is the emotionless monster who, even when captured, cannot be stopped. Even when kit like stabbed in the in yeah in in the throat, stabbed multiple times, he just gets. And up. you know, as bad as the sequels got, they they really stuck to it. They, uh, like oh, they yeah. they were adamant about sticking to that idea that like I think he, that one makes more sense. Than, yeah. I honestly think that one makes more sense than uh, uh what's his face Jason. Jason yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there's a lot of and you know he's Michael Myers is a human but also a force that will never stop. Yeah, like, um, again, that goes back to the embodiment of you, that he's a force, you yeah. know? Um, and uh, just very quickly, his... <laughs> what if it's just, like, ma- like, the movie The Mask? And I'm like, you know, it's just The Mask is keeping him alive. It's oh just like God. Jim Carrey. Jim no. Carrey, that, that The Mask <laughs> movie is a sequel to Halloween. Oh, my God. Um, uh, real quick, we, uh, Michael Myers' name, um, not the most interesting part of his inspiration, but... It, Based he, on the com- uh, Canadian actor Mike Myers, right? No. <laughs> uh, no, but he was named after a European distributor um, who helped get um, one of uh, Carpenter's previous films, Assault on Precinct 13, um, to various European film festivals. Yeah. yeah. And then there's the Captain Kirk mask, which we already talked about early on. Infamous uh, fact about the movie. You know? By now, most people know that Michael Myers' uh, signature mask is actually a Captain Kirk Halloween mask painted white. The film's art director, Tommy Lee Wallace, explained the reason they used uh, the Kirk mask was, quote, There was no question that once the Captain Kirk mask came out, it was really unsettling. We knew we had the, we knew, we knew we had what we needed. I think all of you had to do, all you had to do was look at the mask and say, Quote, something is desperately wrong here and I'm scared, unquote. Yeah. Um, and they painted the skin white, widened the eye holes, and modified the hair to make a pale, almost, but not quite human appearance uh, to the character. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, that's always been the funniest thing about me about it to me, but, like, it works so goddamn well. It's yeah. just, like, it literally looks like he's, he's um, 
<laughs> this might be a weird comparison, but it reminds me of Hollow Man, where like they have to put the fake skin on him yeah. or whatever. Yes, yeah, so you're literally looking at what looks like an empty face, which again, the empty eyes, all going back to how right. they think. He's My like big this, question yeah. is, uh, did they pay the the creators of uh, like Star Trek? No, because anything? they it, it doesn't reference that it's him at all. Okay, that okay. That, that that I think that fact only came out like in the recent in like recent decades. Yeah. Um. Interesting. Okay, yeah. I was just super curious about it. Yeah, and if Star Trek sued, uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't think they would, honestly. Yeah. It, because they were the ones who made the mask. That also, looks I think nothing that Star like Trek's him. above that. Yeah. They also, they're also the ones who made the mask that looks nothing like, uh, you know, William Shatner. So if anybody, the company that made the mask can sue. Who yeah. Like, anyway. Hey. Yeah. Anyway. Um. So that about covers the influences, unless you can think of anything, any kind of particular tidbits or trivia you want to add in there. I can't think of anything. Happy Halloween, guys. Okay. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> let's, um, just jump, let's just jump into it. The, uh, what it influenced. The biggest thing that Halloween did for, hor- for horror films was establish the slasher genre. Specifically, the film introduced and or uh, popularized specific elements that would become tropes of all of the slasher films that would come after. Uh, some of these tropes include the final girl trope, uh, this was the biggest one. Um, Jimmy Lee Curtis's character survived till the end, yeah. um, and uh, it helped. It, again, we we said before that um, the uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Black Christmas both had this trope, but um, it was really popularized by Halloween because it did so much better than both those movies. Um, it also cemented the trope by adding in the uh, unwritten slasher movie victim rule of uh, if you have sex, you die. Kind of like that's. Yeah. That's a simplification of it, but that's kind of that's its own trope that was kind of combined with the last girl trope. Uh, the yeah. reason she survives is because she's not the one distracted by sex or having sex, you know. Yeah, even in the first film, like it's it, it's interesting that the way they put it because it's um it wasn't intended for sure. Like they didn't mean to put that in the subtitles, <laughs> you know. Because you know, um, you know, uh, I forgot her name already. Laurie Strode. Yeah, her uh, her character. She um, she has two friends who are girls, mm-hmm. and one of them is like, "Oh, I'm gonna go hook up with my boyfriend," but he's grounded. Oh, shut, shit, shit. And then uh, you know the other one is just like, she's gonna hook up with her boyfriend, um, to the point where like the, the 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 former one is like, "Oh, do you want your homecoming dances tomorrow? Do you want me to like call you know, uh, ex guy to like to go with you?" And she's yeah. like, "No, no, I I don't want to go." And then when she does like give him a call. Like, Lori's just like, no, can you please call off the, the thing? I'll babysit for you. Just yeah. call it off. Hmm. Like, it just, she doesn't even, it's, yeah, it's yeah. interesting. She, she survives, be, again, I don't think it's really implied, but like that that this is the reason why, but she survives because she's not interested in, you know, sex or anything. Yeah. Um, Her mind is clear. Yes. Um, Pristine Christian. Amen. Happy Halloween. Okay, so this would continue in slasher horror and horror films as it became uh, common for characters to be attacked by the killer during or after sex or because they partook in some other impure act, quote-unquote, such as underage drinking. And uh, a good example of of this comes in um, uh, Cabin in the Woods. I was going to mention that, yeah. You know, they, 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 um, they, they, first of all, they pump the hormones in there to like make them just yeah, all like all, that- all like they make um Chris Hemsworth's character um all alpha male and then they make you know make them horny mm-hmm. and uh I think they like leave drinks in the cabin or something like that they I do. forget yeah yeah uh, but also big spoiler to that movie if you haven't seen it uh for people who haven't seen it um it ends with like them talking about like the the girl the virgin quote unquote is yeah. you know the reason she's going to this cabin in the woods is because she was a homewrecker. Yeah. Like, and 
to the point where uh, Sigourney Weaver's just like, oh, sometimes you, you gotta ignore the rules. Yeah. Like, that's why they're still choosing her as yeah. the virgin. Um, and, you know, also another big example of this is always, you know, Friday the 13th, where, like, even there's scenes where, like, people just have sex, dead. Like, yeah. it, it keeps happening. Yeah. Um, and this trope uh, evolved wherein the final girl usually takes down the killer in the end. Yeah. Uh, not in Halloween, but um, most movies that came out of, like, Halloween's influence were yeah, just, like, in the, usually with, like, some kind of phallic weapon, too. In the first one, it's uh, Loomis who shoots him. Yeah. she He shoots him six times. He falls out the window. Uh, you see Michael Myers dead. And then Loomis looks over. Gone. Gone, yeah. But, um... Yeah, but then, like, in Friday the 13th, um, uh, the final girl takes out uh, Jason Voorhees' mom, uh, and then uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, they kill Freddy. I forget how they f- they kill Freddy. I forget, too, but, uh, anyway. God, that last scene where, like, like you don't know if it was all a nightmare or not, because, yeah, because yeah, you see the car with the stripes and everything. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Um, yeah, so, um, examples of the final girl being used in subsequent horror films include uh, Alien and Friday the 13th, and the examples of If You Have Sex, You Die role can be seen in uh, movies like Prom Night and Scream and also Friday the 13th. Right. Um, so. Oh, and yeah. the, uh, yeah, the Friday the 13th reboot specifically, like, really fucking push it, push that. Yeah, it did. Oh, definitely did. Like, two people are having sex in the closet and literally just yeah. dead. <laughs> Five <laughs> times. Uh, the Iconic Killer. Um, let's get to this one, because while this was in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween amped things up, pushing the idea of a silent killer wearing a mask who is without emotions and cannot be stopped. Like we said before, um, the idea of him being, like, this hulking figure, um, that, that really came from, that came from Texas Chainsaw, but, like, that's really, like, something that Halloween took with and ran like too 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 much better extremes um because again it's look at every other killer um i'd say almost everyone besides um freddy because freddy talks but almost all the other serial like all the other killers in slash movies don't talk are wearing some kind of mask Leatherface, yeah jason um have dead eyes you know it's uh stuff like that and they're usually gigantic um except in the reboot of friday the 13th where it's played by uh rorschach and he is a tiny No, that's... Man. Um, I'm sorry, Nightmare on Elm Street. Street. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, wrong franchise. Yeah. Um, so the killer theme song uh, ties in with the iconic killer because mm-hmm. uh, it was the first time that that um, a slasher movie or any horror movie had given the killer a specific uh, theme song, uh, the, uh, the iconic uh, Halloween theme that we all know and love, um, something creepy to fall around the character. Um, and we would see this in things like Freddy Krueger's signature, tick, 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 tick. I would also say uh, that in the one, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Yeah, thing. stuff like that. And also in like Friday the 13th where it's uh, shh, 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 bah, bah, Yeah, yeah. Shh, shh, giving, like, giving something in the soundtrack specific to the yeah. killer was established by Halloween. Yeah. Uh, and then we have the killer POV. Uh, though it wasn't the first film to even, or even the first slasher to use the killer's POV, it did perfect it and establish it as a key part of the slasher genre. You know, in the beginning of the film, mm-hmm. you see uh, little six-year-old Michael just... And yeah. then all the scenes where he's stalking people. Yeah. Are from oh, that's his perspective. Yeah. Th- those shots are so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was because the Steadicam was becoming a more commonly used filmmaking tool. And yeah, it's such a good way to represent like you're in the, you're in, you're the villain basically for the next couple of minutes. Yeah. And that's. And like I said, it ties into the idea of the killer stalking victims. Now, mm-hmm. this is one I can't hundred percent confirm, but I feel like when I did when I was doing my research, I didn't find any other examples um, prior to Halloween. But the I feel like Halloween established the um, the idea of the killer stalking their victims. Yeah. Um. Wherein um, 
Uh, Michael Myers is essentially a predator in the film, which is where that uh, point of view comes in really handy, like I said. Uh, and he takes time to stalk and observe his targets and methodically takes them out one by one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, we see that in Friday the 13th, like we said. It, there's just a lot of, like, far shots and, and even close shots of obser- observing the targets, yeah. you know. Um, and then we have the teenage victims, which uh, victims in horror movies used to be adults, but now almost every single horror movie is about teenagers and or college students. A trope started by Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, another trope is uh, absent adults and or adults being responsible for the killer in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty straightforward. Laurie's parents, as well as the other teenage characters' parents, are absent from the film. Uh, this would be seen uh, in some other ash- um, slasher films. Though in Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, the adults would be responsible for the killer or were yes. the killer. Um, but again, this could also be attributed to Halloween because um, since the two major adults in the film, the sheriff and the doctor... Um, are very incompetent in trying to stop Michael Myers, so they kind of are indirectly responsible for him. I mean, it's it's one of those things where, like, uh, Dr. Loomis, throughout the movie, he's being told by other adults, like, this is your fault. Like, you let him go, and he was just, he's the one trying to, like, stand his ground, like, I was the one trying to put him in the prison. Like, it's, I need to hunt him down. There's a scene, uh, the last scene between Loomis and the sheriff, where they're just, like, they're, like, sheriff's like, all right, I'm gonna stick with you because I don't think we're gonna find him. He... And, you know, this is all going to be your fault at the end of the day. And Dr. Loomis is like, it's fine, as long as we get the killer. Yeah. Um, another major effect that Halloween had was that because of the film's low-budget production, high-budget uh, return model, Halloween Hollywood was quick to make a number of copycats. Most of it, if not all, slashers that came out within the next decade can be considered a direct result of Halloween's success. The two most notable films are the Friday the 13th franchise, which began with the first film's premiere in 1980 and led to... Fucking nine sequels. Nine sequels. A crossover spinoff with the next movie we're going to talk about and uh, a, a 2009 uh, film reboot. Mm-hmm. And a TV show. Oh, fuck. I forgot about the yeah. TV show. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the the other film that I was uh, hinting at was Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, which started with with the first movie in 1984 and led to five sequels, a meta sequel about the actress in the uh, in the film being haunted by the real Freddy, which is pretty dope. Yeah, that's a New great Nightmare. film. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the crossover with Freddy, or sorry, with Jason for Friday the 13th, and a remake also in 2010. The the remakes of both these films aren't bad. It's just so like they definitely need to be sitting there. I I honestly. Like well, no no Friday the Thirteenth is actually bad because the first Friday the Thirteenth is so good because it's the mom it turns out to be the mom and not oh, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the spirit of actually, actual honestly, Jason. I even like truth be told, I'm not a huge fan of Friday the Thirteenth. The first movie, I do like the plot twist. I do oh, yeah. like parts of it, but uh, I like. At the end of the day, um, I don't think it's a good movie. I like it. Is it? Is it Kevin Bacon? Kevin Bacon in, in, in it, his yeah. fucking short shorts. Uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh Jesus! Ooh. Ooh, I can smell. I can smell your your erection. <laughs> <from> here. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so Happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Halloweener. Um, <laughs> uh, Halloween spawned its own series of sequels that were considered uh, poorly made cash grabs, except um, for Season of the Witch. Like, <laughs> oh my god! Uh, it, well, listen, I'll give it the 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 credit of that's a great title, Season but of the Witch. You know what it's about, right? It's not even about da- um, uh, Michael Myers. Jason, Michael Myers. Yeah. It's yeah, like Deborah Hill and um, uh, John Carpenter were like, the story's done after two. Yeah. Like, like we're done. We should try to do something else about Halloween. And then they got the editor of the first one to work on it, and he they wanted to make it like an anthology. Essentially. Yeah, and apparently he wasn't happy with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, Ryan Hollinger did an amazing video about Halloween uh, three season of the witch. And then after the 
the poor reception and the poor box office of season of the witch you know the studio was just like all right bring back michael we're done like this is we're gonna uh was season of the witch act and about an actual witch or something it's just about uh sawane it's about the actual like it's from oh, it's about you. it's about uh, a guy who's like he's seeing that like media is kind of corrupting children mm. with TV and then they all all the kids buy masks and then that media presses a button basically and the masks kill the kids. That's interesting. It's it's really like it's super Out interesting there. honestly. Yeah. Um yeah, so uh Happy Halloween. <laughs> yeah, there were seven sequels, a remake with its own sequel um by Rob Zombie, which I've heard have their merits. The first one has its merits. It's super violent because yeah. it's Rob Zombie after uh House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects. Mm-hmm. Like they gave him the reins and it's like, "Oh, cool. Like he did it." Second one sucks. Um the uh the but I also will give it that the uh like the film and the color and just the like the the style of the film yeah. of like the appearance like a grindhouse super film. Super good. Um like cuz uh the Wikipedia entry for um the character of Michael Myers has a picture of him from the Rob Zombie films. I'm like, yeah. "God damn, those colors are so good." Oh yeah, no, it's something that uh, Zombie does like really great with yeah. his uh with his prior two films. Like they're just the, it, like whatever editing and color saturation is like so good in it yeah um yeah and then there was a, a there's the recent sequel like we we've mentioned it already uh where it's negating Ret- it retcons everything. everything except the first film yeah yeah so we're uh, we're away from like you know uh you know it's i'm, I'm interested to watch it because yeah. i've heard that there's either I'm, 40 or 80 drafts of the movie jesus because uh what's his Jody Hill and uh, Danny McBride were like working on different yeah. cuts of it. Um, and I, I like the I like the idea that that it's it's probably going to be less of a horror film and more of like a revenge action oh, God, horror so. themed. Yeah. yeah, because I don't think you can go scary at this point. Because I think we need this is kind of a, a a tangent, but I think horror and slasher, all horror, just needs to like stop for just like a little bit so that we can become scared of the same things. Yeah, you know? it's, it's one of those things where like we've been so desensitized now by like different types of horror movies that's why you see like the best horror films of the past 10 years or so are always horror comedy yeah like it's we need something else to to latch on to yeah that's um, why like one of my favorite uh, halloween movies in the past 10 years has been trick-or-treat a black comedy mm-hmm. or dark comedy uh that sent it's also a horror film and it's yeah. really good um the the one i wanted to check out in recent time was it follows i've heard that one's really good it follows but yeah and that one is that one's interesting because it uh, if you've read Black Hole, you like oh it's, yeah, it's, it's that story it's, it's basically. Yeah, yeah. And while the biggest influence that Halloween had on film and pop culture in general was establishing the slasher genre, I think the biggest influence uh, would be another director by the name of Wes Craven, mm-hmm. who we already talked about one of his prior movies with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. But you know, he really took influence with John Carpenter. Yeah, and uh, he made The Hills Have Eyes the uh, around the same time. Uh, yeah, and you know, there's probably some cross influence we could talk about there, but I couldn't find anything solid in my research. No. So, um, and then Wes Craven created a, uh, created The Hills Have Eyes. You know, as you just mentioned, uh, into a franchise by the way of Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, he just saw like Halloween being as like okay, that's that's franchise uh, potential, and then like the f- film he had made. Part of that was The Hills of Eyes, I think. Anyway, he just saw like an opportunity to make a franchise, yeah. and he's like, okay, let's do it with The Hills of Eyes, and then he eventually got it with Friday the, uh, the 13th. I mean, um, keep doing that uh, with Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I mean, honestly, though, we're going to keep doing that because it's... Oh, for sure. It's, it's stuck. There were we're those in the two age franchises. of franchise. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. 
Um, and then there was Scream, uh, which uh, was a satire of slasher genre tropes um, established by Halloween. And this they was even, late they even mentioned 90s? in the first one. Yeah, uh, yeah. 96, I believe. Yeah, uh, 97, I think. Yeah, somewhere um, Yeah, there. so uh, it was written by Kel- Kevin Williamson, uh, who said the film was influenced by his passion for horror films, particularly Halloween. I mean, it's we see it in the... Oh, fuck, who, who plays Shaggy in the Scooby-Doo movies? Oh, uh, God, you fucking got me. Um, uh, I... I know him, but I can't remember his name right now. Uh, SLC Punk. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck. I forget his name. Um, yeah. Well, he, like, mentions Halloween, you know, and it's, like, enduring in character, like, explaining, mm-hmm. like, all the rules from Halloween. Yeah. And then he uses those rules against the main character yeah, in, and, and, and Scream. Yeah. They break, They literally just see, like, hey, Halloween and the, uh, Halloween tropes and just break them all down. Yeah, because these characters are, the best way to put it, smart Smart enough to um well, it's Matthew like, Lillard. Yeah, Matthew that was Lillard. his name. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Happy um, Halloween. There's uh, it's like it's like um, God, I can't think of an example, but I know there's zombie movies and TV shows where the characters actually fucking know what a zombie is, as opposed to every other zombie movie where they're yeah, like, like most they have mo- to learn how to shoot them in the head. You know? Yeah, like most movies, like uh, and TV shows, they kind of live in this universe where. Horror movies don't exist. Yeah, for whatever it, it, reason. <laughs> this, again, this is another weird tangent, but it, it, it's it's like the conundrum of do comics exist in Marvel Comics universe? Yeah, it's it's bizarre. And then there's there's this, well, that one scene in Man of Steel where super, uh, where Clark Kent as a child is putting a cape on. It's just like, wait, who is he imitating? Yeah, it's. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, to try and bring it back to Scream, Scream was looking at Halloween. It was just like, what if people saw that movie in this movie and then use that knowledge to kind of avoid the killer and or fight the killer? Yeah, you know? which in of itself, like I think even in the second one, it becomes meta because I think they're watching Scream in the second one in the movie theater. And then... That's interesting. And then what's her name? Um, uh, Courtney for, Cox? No, not in the second one. Uh... The woman who's married to Will Smith, Jada Pinkett Smith. Yeah. Uh, she gets murdered in the first scene. You know, like in the first scream, uh, yeah. Drew Barrymore is murdered. So you have a different intro scene in the second one hmm. where she gets murdered in the movie theater by like, and she's murdered by uh, Ghostface, you know, the killer in Scream. But then she's surrounded by all these other people dressed up as the character. And so she doesn't know who it is. Oh, I that's think, interesting. I think that's how the because that's how that's what I remember. I haven't seen Scream two in well, um, years. Chelsea and I recently recently saw Hellfest. Yeah. And it, it okay, so I I have um hold on, let's wrap up and then we can talk about our favorite horror movies recently. I guess would be a good way to end our Halloween yeah. Halloween special. So, um like we said that's Halloween. <laughs> that does that about covers the influences, the influential web of Halloween, but like I think the biggest thing we have to talk about is that it was the slasher. There was a few that came before it, mm-hmm. but it was the slasher and I believe like the term slasher wasn't even applied until movies uh it, two movies until Halloween. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's the slasher, and it's one of the most like impactful Halloween Halloween themed movies of all time. What call it horror? I did. Yeah, uh, one of the most impactful horror Halloween themed oh, movies. <laughs> the, Happy Halloween! Yeah, Happy Halloween! Um, anyway, so uh, a good way to end our Halloween Halloween special is to talk about um, the hol- uh, some good horror movies. You have and a so weird I- speech impediment by saying Halloween Halloween twice. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, so I was going to talk about Hellfest, which we, uh, Chelsea and I saw recently, and, like, uh, my, my, uh, my, like, requirements for a good horror movie are, like, it has to do something a little different, even if it's, you know, not a big part of the film, it just has to take something we usually know about horror movies and do a little bit different, mm-hmm. it has to have a great premise, a great setup, 
and then it has to um it has to make me uh scared of something I wasn't scared before slash uh, make me feel tense uh for something I I know is coming. See, for me, my rule is literally the one rule is like a horror movie has to give me so many different emotions. Like I, I yeah. have to, I have to relate to the character and like in a very like, oh, please don't have this character die dead. Uh, had to be scared by the movie. Had to be you know spooked in a way. Um, and then I also have to like laugh along with it too, because like the, that's how the movie works. For me. I think I had a coworker years ago who told me um, his favorite genre are horror films, and I, when I asked him why, he told me like that's the only genre of films that you can have so many different emotions to it. Like there's romance, like there, there's different genres inside horror films. Like there's genres, yeah. com- there's a romance, comedy, there's drama, like all those can go in that. Yeah. Um, but like <laughs> I mentioned my most recent favorite horror film, uh, Michael Doherty has made two amazing films, which is trick or treat. As I mentioned before, which is an anthology movie. You know, we see a lot of those with VHS and the ABCs of death where like you see like it's their anthology films. Uh, Michael Doherty in, in Trick or Treat takes four stories, intertwines them. So hmm. kind of like a Pulp Fiction-esque type of deal. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, and it's super interesting. Like, I should I, watch that. It's so good. Uh, Shout Was Factory it just released 2002, it. 2002, that movie? 20, I want to say 2009, maybe. Hmm. 2008, maybe? It's it's very late. After the guy, you know, Michael Doherty ended up writing X2 and Superman Returns, and Brian Singer was like, let's make one of your movies. Hmm. And then he produced um, Trick or Treat, and after that, he made Krampus. That's the second one that I've That's seen. That's a comedy, like, straight up, though. It's a black, it's a dark comedy. Yeah. It's a dark comedy with horror films. There's really fucked up sequences in it like you've seen krampus right no but you've told me about this there's a sequence in it where like there's just a jack-o'-lantern like a jack-in-the-box that just eats one of the children it's like so like the design like it's all designed by weta oh yeah yeah. and it's so fucking like it sticks with me i'll show you a picture afterwards like it's so good and because of those two movies he's now directing uh, godzilla king of the monsters Um, but yes, uh, back to Hellfest really quick was just that that movie does something really smart and fresh by having the jump scare be the backdrop mm. because it takes place in a Halloween Horror Nights type, yeah. you know, festival um, event kind of thing where uh, there's jump scares happening all around you so that when the shit you're actually supposed to be afraid of happens, you're just like, oh my God, when when did that get there? It's kind of like what Friday 13 3D does. It's weird that I'm going to go into this. Um, it's... The Jason kills this uh, character named Shelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shelly is playing pranks on all the the campers. Like, oh, I'm gonna kill you! It's me! Ha ha ha! And then once like Shelly gets like his uh, throat slit by Jason, he goes into the campers like, oh, stop it, you! It's like, no, I'm actually dead. And then that's yeah. Hmm. It, it just plays with your emotion. Where we're like, oh, you weren't expecting that because you were. There's so many jump scares with this fucking asshole like teenager and when he gets killed you're like "Uh, wouldn't that happen i'd say i'd say hellfest does a little bit more interesting because oh no i'm great yeah yeah. it's 83 yeah uh, but i was tense the whole time and then the ending they had was so like butthole clench the whole time (laughs) no but uh then the the ending they did uh i hate you um, and then the ending they did was super, super interesting. Um, oh, okay. Because cool. I didn't like it at first. I'm like, no, no, that makes me afraid of something I wasn't afraid of before. Yeah. And then um, um, last thing was that all the set pieces are fucking fantastic. I want to go to this um, festival. Like, yeah. it's I so mean, it's, cool. See, like, those three movies you just mentioned, there's, like, aspects of, like, there's fun to it, in mm-hmm. a way. Uh, the last horror movie I saw in theaters was Hereditary. And Hereditary, oh, yeah. it's 
that's one of the ones that's missing a piece of what my coworker said, like one of these genres and it's missing comedy from it. Yeah. So you're watching that movie, quote unquote, the scariest movie in years. It's stuck with me. Sure. Like, but it's taken since it came out in May for, for me to be really like, okay, that was not bad. Like that wasn't, that was a good movie. Like, but it wasn't the quote unquote spookiest, scariest movie since the quote unquote exorcist. Again, another movie that's missing one of the pieces of, uh, to make a good horror film comedy. Uh, at the end of the day, I think that's what what helps. And I, there's moments in Halloween that are just like kind of comical. Yeah, like, I really like it's, you know, there's shots in it that aren't unintentional, but also intentional. Like just Michael Myers getting back up. Uh, yeah, like, it's it's fun. It's I don't know. Yeah, I enjoy that. Um, but going back to Hereditary, that's good horror movie in a different way. It has a lot of oh shit moments, but yeah, it's all right. So no. a good way to end is uh, what is your favorite Halloween? movie or tv show and it doesn't have to be a scary movie just your favorite halloween themed or favorite thing to watch on halloween um halloween uh, <laughs> <laughs> um no like trick-or-treat like i really do love watching trick i need or to treat. check it out then trick-or-treat's my second favorite halloween uh themed movie next to halloween obviously like it's halloween i, wa- I try to watch every year on hall on around halloween yeah but trick-or-treat is like it's it's good it's really good like the way it does it um that and the the community episode uh, where it's the Halloween party and uh, they're playing ABBA music because the Dean plays ABBA music. And then because of a like faulty like food leftover, <laughs> like like food, they all become quote unquote zombies. Yeah. And uh, well, ABBA's playing in the background. Um, I think mine are Evil Dead 2 is my favorite horror movie. Right. Um, and then my favorite Halloween special is the Ed and Eddie Halloween special. Uh, the Buhaha one? Yeah, because Ed watches too many be- uh, oh, terrible really B-horror good. movies, yeah. and then like his brain just becomes fried, and he sees every costume as like a horrific version of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, God, it's a yeah. great setup, and it's a really fun episode. Yeah. Uh, in uh, fact, I might watch it tonight. Uh, <laughs> and we're watching Trick or Treat tonight, so... All right, so that about does it. Um, please... Uh, Please subscribe to the podcast. Please let your friends know. Give us reviews. Um, spread the word. And then uh, please follow us on Twitter uh, at InfluenzaPod. And then, you know, let us know if we miss stuff. Teach us things. We uh, Teach us stuff. Uh, suggest um, topics to go off. You know, we want to learn. We want to learn about the things that we are talking about. Uh, see if we miss anything. And then you can follow me uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Eight Your Son, S-E-A-N, the number eight, you are son. And Alex? Uh, you can follow me on uh, Twitter also under... Uh at Lex Wheelar, L-E-X-G-U-I-L-A-R, or on, on Instagram at underscore trailer, underscore Swift, underscore. Uh, I'm done with jokes about that. Like, I think that's funny enough on its own. Um, uh, all right. Uh, so uh, thanks for listening, and uh, happy Halloween. Happy Thanksgiving. Cue the theremin. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs>